Hey, film fans, I'm Jackie Lynn here with Dave Demarest for the next episode of Dollar Theater, the show where we watch films with higher reviews and could be worth a watch. This week, we watched Her from the year 2013, starring Joaquin Phoenix, Scarlett Johansson, and Amy Adams, written and directed by Spike Jones. It scored an 8 out of 10 on IMDb, and I think this is our highest rating yet, a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. Does this live up to these critical scores? We'll let you know what we think shortly. Our guest tonight is Alex Driscoll. You may remember Alex from our previous episodes on Was It That Bad for Halloween 4 or Bring It On. Alex, we're so glad to have you back. So glad to be back. Great. Welcome. All right, Dave, let's kick this off. Her, what do you think? For lack of a better adjective, this is just a very beautiful movie. And it's there's such a fine line between this being a masterpiece and this being a very boring movie. Because when you get to the core of it, it's essentially Joaquin Phoenix walking around what's supposed to be a futuristic Los Angeles, but is actually Shanghai. Just going from conversation to conversation, whether it's a conversation with Samantha, his OS, voiced by Scarlett Johansson, or his friend Amy, played by Amy Adams, or conversations with his ex-wife, his blind date. It's just basically a series of conversations. No, there's really no action in this. But the cinematography by Hoi Van Hoytema, who also worked with Christopher Nolan on Interstellar and Tenet, the, the shots of the city, it just feels like you're walking around with Joaquin Phoenix in these scenes. The score in this movie by Arcade Fire is just like captivating. I downloaded a lot of it this week, like I often do when we when we start re- researching uh, movie scores. So yeah, just you know, I don't have any other adjectives other than this is just a very beautiful film, and it's just really tough to do. This is such a unique movie, and we'll, we'll talk about what this can how this movie can be so many different things to so many different people but i'm very pro you, you mentioned the eight out of ten jackie i i gave us a nine on imdb and yeah i think the 94 is probably this is probably the highest rated we've ever d- done before maybe yeah i'm pro her alex where'd you land with this one? Oh, i really liked it i think it lives up to being a really good movie when i hear spike jones i i kind of expect a lot too i thought it was great all right. Well, you mentioned Spike Jones. He also directed Adaptation with Nick Cage and being John Malkovich, obviously with John Malkovich, two other excellent movies. Mm-hmm. He also won the Oscar for Best Screenplay in this movie. This movie was nominated for Best Picture, lost out to 12 Years a Slave. Spike Jones came up with this idea while having a conversation with an AI bot. I don't know if either of you, I think we're all AOL Instant Messenger people here. Yes. I don't know if either of you remember Smarter Child, the no, the I AI. Don't. Okay, well, no, you, you, we've definitely we've definitely messaged it when we were just for the listeners. Alex is my brother. We definitely messaged Smarter Child when we were younger on Instant Messenger. It was just one of those you say things to them and they say it back. Yeah, response. Yeah. So he came up with this concept through this, and like we said, the nuance in this film. There are movies where computers essentially take over. I think of uh, 2001, A Space Odyssey or Ex Machina, where there's such a fine line. This movie could just be weird, but it's not. And that's why this is such a unique film to me. Jackie, where'd you land with this one? 
Oh, I'm so glad you brought up that last point about it, like just being slightly weird or it could be there, but I want to elaborate more sure. on that when we talk about scenes. So I'll save that part of the discussion for then. This was a rewatch for me and I really enjoyed watching it again. It wasn't the same experience as seeing it the first time. Sometimes on rewatches, movies kind of lose that that edge. And I had seen it before, but not recently enough to remember everything. So still enjoyable. And what a beautiful film. Just like you were saying, Dave, it kind of falls into an interesting category. I, I would say it's kind of cautiously futuristic and science fiction-y. Yet there's a lot of romance in it. And it's also this exploration of a relationship between humans and technology. So that's a really interesting perspective there. But wow, so many great production elements in this. The writing is out of the park. Spike Jones, the Oscar for Best Writing of Original Screenplay for this, very, very much deserved for such an interesting concept and just like a conversational melody of a script. And tying in Scarlett Johansson's voice as Samantha and Joaquin Phoenix's acting. It's such a great combination backed up by excellent direction, excellent script, again, strong, versatile actors. I would have liked to have seen it receive some more actual awards. It was also nominated for best motion picture, original score, original song, production design. So many great elements all rolling together here. Yeah, absolutely. And like, Jackie, like the last movie we covered, Inglorious Bastards, not that, that this movie is anything like that movie, but both of these films can be so many things to so many people. Like this movie, for instance, it can be a sci-fi movie or it can be a, a romance movie if that's, if that's how you interpret it. It could also be a comedy. There's a lot of funny scenes in this movie. I think of um, Joaquin Phoenix having phone sex with the voice of uh, Kristen Wiig where she's saying, choke me with your dead cat, choke, choke me with, with the, the dead cat. cat over there. And then the uh, <laughs> the alien child when he's playing the video game. And that's also the voice of Spike Jones. Um, and he's saying, fuck one. you, shit face, fuck, fa- fuck, fuck head, fuck face. It's a lot of fucks in there. But just, <laughs> just there's a lot of really funny moments with computers and AI. And this just there's a lot of good performance in this. So, Alex, when I say this, this could be a sci-fi movie to some, a romance to others, or a comedy. How did you interpret this? What kind of movie is this to you? I would say more of a sad romance. Okay. I think an observational comedy, but not in the way that like you're making fun of things that are happening, but going through the whole thing, it made me kind of sad. I can definitely see that, Alex. Yeah. This man is going through a a divorce and trying to navigate himself through recovering through that and looking for companionship in Mm -hmm. a society that is disconnecting from each other. There's so much disconnection between people living their daily lives with each other. Mm-hmm. And he himself is experiencing this on an even more personal level. So I can, I can see the, the grief behind that you're mentioning there. Yeah. So Joaquin Phoenix in this is phenomenal. There's so much nuance in his performance that this is easily a character in Theodore that could come across as very creepy. Like, especially I think of the scene where he's walking around with the OS in front of him, just like laughing, where that's a very beautiful scene that could just really easily be weird. 
And yeah. but it's 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 not just the way they shoot it. And I don't know if this is my favorite. I had to go through his filmography to say I, I don't know if this is my favorite Joaquin. I, I think uh, Commodus and Gladi- Gladiator is is my number one. I don't I don't know where you guys land with his career, but I thought he was excellent in this movie and just an excellent actor in general. Alex, do you have any thoughts on him or in this movie yeah. or in general? Yeah, no, I always really liked him. I feel like he's been around for a really long time. Yeah, um, since Parenthood. Since Parenthood. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. And his sister was the what, what's her name? I like. Well, River. They come from a family of actors. River. No, Parenthood no, the sister stuff. in Parent Trap. That actress. I'm throwing us off to a different movie. <laughs> I I think it's cool, and I I think the cleft palate thing always like that kind of flaw is super cool as like an actor, but uh, to have such a prominent flaw like that. But now I can't think of a single movie that he was in other than he was the Joker. He was the Joker, yes. Yeah. I thought it was mostly like in line with what he would do. It reminded me a lot of La La Land, just for the aesthetic. And they do have like the same art department for this film as La La Land. So that made sense. And Scarlett Johansson's voice just carries a movie. She doesn't even have to be on screen. So that. Agree with you there. Uh, Jackie, same question. Any Joaquin thoughts on this or in general? I just have to establish real quick that I don't know if I'm saying his name correctly or if you're saying his name correctly. I think it's Joaquin. Joaquin. Okay. Yeah. I, well, I but I thought maybe okay. you knew and I didn't. So I, didn't I was just anything. I was just trying to Google that really quick and listen at the same time. I don't don't I know you're editing tonight, Jackie. Don't just just leave my my fuck up in there. It's fine. Maybe you should address it <laughs> because no, I've listened to podcasts on movies with him and I've heard him mm-hmm. pronounce like it doesn't seem like anyone knows the true way. I gotta, I'm going to call the him true up. Way. <laughs> I've heard okay. it pronounced. If there's four people on a podcast, sometimes I've heard it pronounced four different ways. I'm going to call him after and ask him. So just let's just roll with what we're doing here for consistency. <laughs> you can say your way. I'll say my way. <laughs> what of, what of us is right. <laughs> we're not trying to. Uh, I think you're right. Actually, it's, it's walking. Okay. Yeah, we'll okay. we'll go. Okay. So I'll just roll with Joaquin. Yeah. To me, Joaquin Phoenix is Commodus in Gladiator. That was such a definitive role for me, for him. Yeah. And actually, a lot of these roles he's had in other films, even the Joker, are blind spots for me. Spike Jones is also kind of a blind spot, unfortunately. But you guys have mentioned a lot of interesting notes there. So I'm going to have to put that back on the list there. So the interesting thing about this role for him is we so often see Joaquin on screen by himself. Yes. And he's just talking to a voice. I'm sure someone was off screen saying the lines, getting the timing um, for his conversations with Samantha. But when you're performing by yourself with no one to look at, no one to physically interact with, no one to touch. It really takes a stronger actor to pull that off. And that is so impressive to me. I don't think everybody could pull that off. And I know Spike Mm -hmm. Jones spotted Joaquin Phoenix from a mile away and said, this is who I want for this role. And I really respect that casting because this is a delicate balance. I can't see anybody else in this role. No, I I 100% agree with you. Scarlett Johansson in this, I found out that the original voice of Samantha was an act- actor named Samantha Morton, who right. I had to, not too familiar with her. I had to look some of the things she's been in, I recognize, but I, I didn't have like a 
I don't know what her voice sounds like. I didn't have like a like a full knowledge of her, but I would say that the decision in post-production to change this to the voice of Scarlett Johansson kind of oh. just defines this movie because you she has a very distinct voice. And even though we don't see her on screen, I could I feel like hearing Samantha even as an OS talk. I feel like I'm watching Scarlett Johansson, even if Same here. Yeah, even yeah. if you're not seeing her. So I don't think um, there's really anybody else who could have done this role Wait, in addition did, to Joaquin. So did they have that, like someone else did the whole film and then she came in and dubbed it? Yes. Yeah. So they yes. oh, okay. So yeah. he at the time just knew it was a bot, which is probably cool and better anyway for him. Or like he did, if the actress wasn't as well known, he wouldn't have like, an attachment to like their face and if it wasn't scarlett johansson while he was filming that might have been a better choice right. too so well i think it was interesting and i'm stepping on my internet facts here because the original samantha had recorded all of her lines okay so yeah. what i'm curious about is if they're they're playing her lines for joaquin phoenix while he's recording these scenes was he playing off of her voice or yeah, was he actually yeah. using ScarJo's voice? Mm-hmm. So I'm really curious about that. But Spike Jones had finished the recording with the original Samantha and he said it just didn't feel right. I looked up a montage of her. You can go to Samantha Morton's IMDb page mm-hmm. and it will give you clip after clip after clip of a lot of her film work and I was trying to get a feel for her voice and it's very similar she she has some accent range and a very soft voice like ScarJo does but she doesn't exactly have the same je ne sais quoi you know the same mm-hmm. edge that's that Scarlett Johansson has so no. interesting point you, you nailed it there Jackie I don't really have anything else to add to that because you kind of echoed all my thoughts there just this is the two leads in this are meant for these roles. I, I can't see anyone else Agreed. swapping out. The third lead in this movie is really interesting. Amy Adams has had mm-hmm. really an interesting career. 2013 was such a unique year because she was in this and American Hustle, two movies that were nominated for Best Picture. But in this year also, she had her first foray as Lois Lane in, in Man of Steel. So this is, she was kind of going into a weird place in her career where she could have had like a Meryl Streep like trajectory and not to say that she can't get back there. But last year she was in the woman in the window and dear Evan Hansen, two of the worst movies I watched last year. So it's just around 2013, you would have thought she's going to be one of the biggest, biggest names in Hollywood. And now not so much. And you know, it's the jury's still out, but it's really weird to see. She was so good in this. I, I love her as Amy in this movie, the, the character who ultimately Theodore winds up with at the end. But yeah, just interesting career for her in general. Jackie, do you have any Amy Adams thoughts in this or in general with her? I love Amy Adams as an actress. She is a delight to watch typically in her films. I was just looking at her IMDb and yeah, she's got a, a fun range. I mean, even going back to backwards to the Muppets or the fighter, Julia and Julia, a lot of dropped fun it, films. Dropped it gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A movie you made me watch. Yeah. I know. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. I was happy with her in this role. And, you know, I'm going to start stepping on my internet facts. I um, Step away. I need to <laughs> hold the horses. There. Oh, I, I 
I just assumed, but that the opening music and the closing music was Scarlett Johansson singing too. It was okay. Yeah, I just knew that by hearing it, and then I just I was like, oh yeah, it was. So those you, you verified? That? Just verified. Just from verified. the internet. <laughs> from she has a really she, pretty singing voice. Yeah, yeah she has she, an amazing soul, song called Relator that she did like a while ago. It's so good. All right. She's so, in that but, movie Sing. Yes. You know, the with the singing animals. Yep. And she she has a really fun role in that, and she has a really pretty voice. I think she's in a band. She's in a band too. That sounds about she right. She has I been. Believe I heard. Mm-hmm. I've heard that too. Yeah, yeah. Very talented. Alex, any uh, any? You said drop that gorgeous. Are there any other performances from Amy Adams that you like other than this? Oh, one? What was that one where she had? They were like cleaning houses. Oh, um, uh, spring springtime cleaning. Yeah, or... that one. That was like really really dark and and funny. So I really yeah. Played. And this is also, she was in Joaquin, she was with uh, Joaquin Phoenix. I'm going to get it right one of these times. <laughs> they were, they started together a year earlier in the master. So a lot of these people have worked together before. And so in addition to these three leads, we also have uh, a lot of, a lot of great side performers here. Uh, Rooney Mara, who is Joaquin Phoenix's wife now. She plays his, his ex-wife in this movie, Catherine. We have Olivia Wilde as a blind date in one scene. Chris, a young Chris Pratt is in this movie as Paul, essentially Theodore's mm-hmm. boss. There's a lot of good voice work too. Sexy Kitten, we, we mentioned earlier, that's the voice of uh, Kristen Wiig. Uh, Bill Hader does voice work. We get the great Brian Cox from Succession fame at the end of this as uh, the, the OS who essentially um, she leaves Theodore for at the end of the movie. So uh, that's uh, any any chance. Uh, I know if Glenn was here, he'd be rolling his eyes. I'd be making a succession reference. <laughs> but um, yeah, a lot of good supporting actors in this. Alex, anybody stand out for you from the supporting cast or anybody I missed? Probably Olivia Wilde. She had a weird scene, I thought. But yeah, elaborate. What did what did you think of her in this? Well, it was it, it was right before he got the OS. Yeah, so it was his. It was his response to somebody that's actually right in front of him, existing, right. was the complete opposite of how he felt about, and he had no curiosity about her character. Did she have a name? Uh, she's in this as uh, blind blind date. date. Yeah, um, but then he was totally open to like every conversation with the bot, which I guess if you think it's completely like private, sure, yeah. why not? And so this was like, actually Catherine Rooney Mara's character kind of grills him for this later in the movie saying, you know, you don't want to be with anybody who disagrees with you. And I thought I'm mm-hmm. a huge Rooney Mara fan. I, I loved her in this and pretty much everything I see her in. Um, Jackie, same question for you. Anybody from the supporting cast stand out for you? I want to circle back to Chris Pratt. Sure. This was a fun role to look back and see him in and yeah. hear his familiar voice. And I think he was, kind of trailing off of Parks and Rec yeah. at this point in time. And he hadn't quite buffed out for his uh, Star-Lord or uh-huh. Jurassic Park bod quite mm-hmm. yet. <laughs> but he still has that that lovable laugh. Just a really amicable character. He it seems to come off that way on screen. It was a pleasant surprise to see him in what could be considered kind of a bleak film. Yeah, yeah they didn't have to cast someone big for that role at all yeah well i guess definitely like an opportunity to be in this film if you know because chris pratt i mean most of his are like big budget 
films. No. Yeah, but this was before. This was 2013. This was about a year before That's Guardians Marvel. of the Galaxy. Oh, right. Two years so, before yeah. Jurassic Park. So he was kind of still a sitcom guy at this point. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I really like his character as Paul. I, he's essentially Theodore Joaquin Phoenix's bo- boss in this. And he's just like, he's like really amazed. He really appreciates his work. There's one of the lines he says, he's like, who knew you could rhyme so many words with Penelope? So he's just, he's like really fascinated by, by the work he does and just Welcome. seems to be like, a, a good friend to, to yeah. Theodore. Just a really nice Very gracious. Yeah. The work, the work though, that, that job was really interesting. I feel like I haven't seen that, that like the closest that I've seen somebody like have that occupation in a film was uh, closer. Do you remember closer? Yeah. With uh, Julia Jude, Roberts and Jude Law. Yeah, and Jude Seems... Law was like a, he wrote obituaries. Yeah. But in this case, this guy, he was writing letters for people and it's like a real job. Like people do this. I don't know if it's at this awesome scale that they made it, you know, that yeah, office, this like was the a big company. design of the whole thing was really cool. My favorite part was that it all reflected like where it was like the backdrops were. It yeah. was all, it was supposed to be Los Angeles, but it was Shanghai. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and then I thought it was like interesting because if this is the near future and there's so much populate uh, pollution in Los Angeles. And I looked up the, uh, the pollution in Shanghai and it's like three times the amount of Los Angeles, which would which is what it would be in the near future yeah so it was like there was that whole thing because everything was indoors uh but then there was a really interesting i think everything was actually under a dome is that uh, right i could be wrong i saw that on the internet as well so mm-hmm. you know we, we could be getting wrong information from the internet but, yeah that was on well. my internet too okay <laughs> so we're all we're all on the same internet which is nice <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that was cool. Why don't we uh, take a quick break and then we'll go into our favorite scenes. All right, we're back. I know, Jackie, you wanted to open this one up. So what's the scene you liked? Okay, so I want to talk about the beginning scene because we were kind of getting into that right before the break there. We're seeing Joaquin Phoenix making this beautiful confession of love. And at the end of his statement that he's reading, it shows a screen. And he's actually composing a special letter on behalf of two people who have spent their lives together. And it's kind of abrupt. He pops it out of the printer and the assignment is complete. Then we see that he's part of a whole office of people composing these intimate letters on behalf of people, just like you guys were saying. I think this is a social commentary and also setting up the environment of this film, how society is already disconnecting from each other. I realized that this was a really great way to set the stage for this character, craving connection in a disconnected society. Yeah, I love this scene. I have this in mind as well. And we see him be saying things like, I remember when I first started falling in love with you, it was like last night. And he's like something, suddenly this bright light woke me up and it was you. And you're like, who's he talking to? And then you realize he's, oh he's writing letters for mm-hmm. this couple named Chris and Loretta on their, for their 50th wedding anniversary. And yeah. then they kind of just pan away. And you see, Alex, you mentioned all the, the other workers just saying like mm-hmm. really loving things that they're writing for other people. I love the color scheme <clears throat> in this scene. We talk about the cinematography in the opening. There's just a lot of like pinks and light blues, yellows. It's just It's just a really bright, welcoming scene here alex what'd you think of the the opening in this movie i was just going to say about that it's just that what he was doing as a letter writer essentially is what scarlett johansson was in a different way 
So it kind of set up the movie in that way. But then it was also sad that people didn't write their own letters. It was, I mean, it's sweet (laughs) because it's like, I get it. It's like people used to not make their own resumes either, but it felt too personal to like, and he knew things about this. So I'm assuming like they like collect data from this person about like things they've done and where they've been so he could write these letters accurately. So I thought that was like very futuristic and keeping in like the path of how much people know about us from online. Sure. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I think it's lending to a theme that this is a very, it's become a very hands-off society. I mean, they don't even type things Mm -hmm. into their phone. They use dictation for everything. They don't have a lot of in-person interaction. They've replaced Mm -hmm. all that with screens or audio. Yeah. This was like foreshadowing because we see early on in the movie, Theodore is checking his emails just through like voice dictation. And he's, he's reading the news. They start reading an article to him. He's like, no, next. And this is nine years ago. This is kind of foreshadowing where we are and where we're going as a society. Mm. Um, Well, I feel like most of the stuff that he was doing is fully capable of, we're capable of doing that now. It's just that it's like, in some ways, it's a lot more work to dictate what you want done versus just going right. and doing yourself with your hands. So I thought it was kind of everybody always in when they're like depicting the future, always trying to make it seem like that it's going to be like <laughs> slide, swipe, glass moving and things like that. But I feel that's the only thing that, I, but I like it. It's part of the, the story. That's how they are. But I feel like that's probably the least, uh, the least like real true to true to life. Well, we still don't have our, our flying cars yet. I'll, uh, back I mean, we have drones. Show. They just have to... Well, or uh, flying skateboards. Yeah, we're seven mm. years we're seven years past due on that stuff. I believe that was 2015. So mm. let, let's get it together. All right, the next scene I have written down here, I have marked as Theodore, Theodore Getz's OS. And this is where Samantha's first scene in the movie is. And he buys the OS. And it's, it's just really... They ask him a question. They ask him questions like are you social or antisocial and he kind of gives like a like not a straightforward answer but just from his response the system knows like where to gauge him they ask him about his relationship with his mother he starts talking about that they cut him off again they just they know it's it's a very smart system so they they know how to fit the os to his personality and this is where we hear scarlett johansson's voice for the first time asks her what's your name she comes up she reads a, a baby book in about two uh two one hundredths of a second and she chooses between 180,000 names like really quick yeah and then we see like her banter with him they have a they have a good rapport right away she goes and she she checks his emails she gets rid of a lot of like the clutter he has and she says wow you have a lot of contacts and says oh does this mean you have a lot of friends says something about oh i guess people actually like you so they're they have like a witty Mm -hmm. banter and I thought this was like a good good foreshadow into their relationship. Jackie, what'd you think of the the first interaction between Theodore and Samantha? At first impression, I thought her interview of him as an introduction to the OS was really brief. Yeah. But I realize from a viewer's perspective and from making a film, sitting there and listening to him rattle off 50 answers right to customize his os would not be as pleasant to watch so this was kind of a nice shortcut to take through that and also a nice twist to uh, that she gets to know him really quickly and demonstrate how 
intuitive of a system that she really is. I'm going to segue right into my next scene, if that's all right. Absolutely. And I just called it Samantha, just to describe Samantha herself, even though we don't have a visual image of her. I referred to her as a super Siri. It's almost like she's a ghost. Yeah. Because there's nothing that you can see, nothing that you can physically interact with, but her voice is there. Yeah. So it's a, it's, it was a really fascinating concept to me. And I also observed that she's like a best friend and a personal assistant. She's conversational. She's logical. She's empathetic. She is like a therapist. Yet throughout all this in her, her virtual form, she craves a physical life. And it's such an interesting concept that she could evolve and grow to the point that she got to. I, I agree totally. That, that was a great uh, description of it. Alex, what'd you think of the first scene? It just, it, it reminded me a lot of like anytime you do an update on your operating system in the beginning and the whole hello thing. I also wanted to say about like his little phone. Like, yeah. I just loved how there was like, it was really just, well, it was vintage yeah. in the way that like all the clothing was. So it's like, even though they're in the future, they always tend to like go back with like that 30s, 60s, 70s retro look. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. No, but it reminded me of, of that. And I feel like that, that modern mix with this like vintage look was really cool and set up the film to be like, you knew that the rest of the film is going to follow a similar aesthetic. Absolutely. So on that note, let me put you on the spot again. What's the scene you liked? I just like the scene, uh, probably just because he was like so recluse and everything this is earlier is when he ran into Amy and her boyfriend yeah. in the mailroom. And you kind of established there that like he is, been kind of quiet whereas he used to not be so quiet and then he used right. to be really happy and then immediately you, it was like I didn't want to dislike the boyfriend but you saw those little things that he did to just kind of correct like that it's that nudge everybody's kind of been nudged like that before where you're trying to talk and they think they're helping but they're totally not they're really just trying to like curb your, yeah. the way you say something and I'm like oh and I felt that frustration a little bit you kind of um, get some foreshadowing when he kind of like shits on our documentary, but Theodore is like understanding of it and very complimentary towards it. Mm-hmm. And you could, you could see the juxtaposition there with, with the two of them, like yeah. their relationship with Amy. Yeah. I wasn't sure. Did you say that like they got together in the end? The, yeah. Well, the, you don't, you Was don't see them official? make. Yeah, you yeah. don't see them making out or anything, but well, it's I, kind of. I always kind of kept them as like, as and like that's what worked with them is that they were just friends and maintained it because I think it was ambiguous. So you're kind of left to interpret and I interpreted it as they would ultimately get back together. Maybe you two had a sure, different. Sure. Yeah. Write, I interpreted it the, the same way. Yourself. Yourself. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. They didn't, yeah, they, they didn't have them a big long kissing in the rain I, scene with them, but right. Right. I like yeah. to think that like they, they weren't, but like it does. Yeah. Yeah. Because at the end we see, and we're kind of jumping out, but that's fine. We see that after her husband leaves her, mm-hmm she winds up in a relationship with her OS as well. Right. And then all the OSs leave. We'll definitely talk about that. That would probably be my second uh, favorite scene is when they both reveal to each other that they're yeah. both in love with their OS system. And it was just like the future of coming out <laughs> is like right. that you are, that you're in a relationship with an OS. And I thought that was cool. <laughs> uh, Jackie, what's another scene you like? Let's see. So I think there's a really interesting commentary. We're talking about the different relationship examples 
that we see we're seeing failed relationships between his friend and her boyfriend, the um, blind date and his relationship with his ex-wife. So I, I think that's a really interesting commentary on the failure of physical relationships in this film. And so the next example of a failure with that is the sex surrogate mm-hmm. yeah. um, that Samantha brings into the film. And so Samantha is worried about the lack of sex in their relationship. I think at this point that they've had some version of phone sex and he says, Oh, you know, that's just the honeymoon phase ending. And she proceeds to say, well, I found a service about a surrogate sexual partner for an OS human relationship. And she goes on to say that she found a girl that she thinks he'll really like, but he says it makes him uncomfortable, but she wants it. So, so he goes for it and it's such a awkward scene and it's, it's meant to be that way. This woman comes to the door and she's completely silent and he has to hand her an earpiece and a camera and she doesn't speak throughout the whole scene and she must be receiving directions from Samantha yep. as well. And things get really complicated. He gets weirded out. He upsets the surrogate who was also apparently very emotionally invested yeah. in mm. this. It's such an interesting commentary, but it was very awkward for me to watch. Maybe that's just sure. me, but I I feel like that's what they were no, trying to communicate. Well, we see she quivers her, her lip and that's kind of like just sets off like a chain reaction of emotions in him that just, this is way too weird for me. And yeah. you could tell she was really like kind of just a fan of the Samantha Theodore relationship. And you can tell she's like so apologetic that mm-hmm. she's like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that with my lip. She's like, I just wanted mm-hmm. to be a part of what you guys have. And- well, just so cool, interesting too, to say, cause she, she wanted to be a part of it, but really like she was the, only thing that kind of just didn't really exist in in right in their minds like it was just and then he would probably i feel like that's kind of when it all really went when they went to like they tried to emulate like real physical contact is like sure. when it went wrong and i feel like that could be a metaphor of the whole like for people in relationships yeah, Sometimes yeah, that's when it gets messier. Some, but when when you start to feel happier and and you start to feel good about yourself, you want more things, and that's kind of what Samantha right. was. She just kept getting what she liked. And I am a fan of the actor who played the surrogate, uh, Portia Doubleday, who was Angela in Mr. Robot. I don't know if either mm, kind of a long yeah. time ago. Yeah, yeah. So good, good, uh, good actor. This was kind of before that so it was maybe a a small role that aged well in its casting um another scene i have written down here was the scene i like the lunch scene between theodore and Catherine when they they sign the divorce papers and then they make their divorce official this kind of starts off like very cordial you could tell these two people really care about each other she's written a book she's a very successful person and so they really care about each other and she gets really upset when Theodore tells her that he's in a relationship with his OS. And, you know, it's kind of, we talked about the comedy in this, the waitress comes over and asks mm-hmm. if, they, if they need anything. <laughs> and I'm, I'm as a former waiter, sometimes I've waited on people who are fighting and, you know, you, you still, you still need to like get in there and ask like, do you need anything? And, you know, Catherine 
says, no, fine. We used to be married. Now we're not. He wanted me on Prozac and now he's in love with his laptop. And we, just, <laughs> we see the waitress. She's like, I'll, I'll just come back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so I thought this was a funny scene. Because it went on for a little bit you almost and you were just focused on them you almost forget that she was still there and then right. when they pan back out she was just kind of like oh right <laughs> yeah because people don't care they'll do that in, in real life like you just said like waiting tables yeah, yeah. i've certainly been there before jackie what would you, would you think of that scene i've waited tables too before dave and yeah. i know exactly what you're saying <laughs> you just kind of got to weave your way in and out of those awkward moments and just right. get that order <laughs> get that food <laughs> on the table <laughs> or or the bill yeah <laughs> i'll just leave this here i like that you brought up the part where his ex-wife has pointed out this very literal translation that he's in love with his laptop yeah. And if you step back and look at it, yeah, that's true. Sure. Yeah. That's what this this movie mm-hmm. is about, but it's presented in such a beautiful way that we're able to bypass that and sympathize with and empathize with Theodore that he can justify this relationship and he wants to make it work. Yeah. Uh, great analysis there. Another one I have here is I have there were a lot of scenes with Theodore sitting down and having a conversation with Samantha. But so I didn't write all of those, but like one scene I really liked, I have this uh, where she plays the piano piece where he's sitting down on the bench eating his lunch mm-hmm. and she starts playing the piano piece. And it's such a beautiful scene because she says, we don't have any photographs together. This can be like our photograph. And she starts playing this very beautiful piano theme and then well, they... didn't she write it like this is her comp she composed yep. this as yeah a, yeah. Yes. yeah and we still have this theme playing and then we kind of go into a montage of we're watching him watch people walk by he's playing he's playing his video game we see him at lunch with amy so this is kind of like a brief scene in the movie but i thought with the music i praised the score from arcade fire early on and this is just kind of like piggybacks off that a little bit jackie what would you think of this scene I have that scene on my list that I was going to bring up next. So I'm really sure. glad you touched on that. And I thought that was such a beautiful commentary where she said, I thought this song could be like a photograph that captures this moment in our life together. Yeah. Oh, I'm <laughs> melting. <laughs> and it was such a beautiful song. And there's another point in the film where they go to, a very snowy place in the woods. And she not only composes music, but she sings the lyrics to it as well. And it's just such a beautiful melody. I'm so glad they wove that into the film. I really appreciated these scenes as well. Yeah, same. Alex, any thoughts on that? Great scenes. Yeah, being out, like I liked, because most of the stuff was taking place inside and he has been sitting a lot in this film. Yeah. Um, but it was just nice to see that scenery and then that moment. But it was kind of that moment where I felt like any further and she's going to get hurt. Like, that's kind of where I was like, it was like, it was very nice, but I knew that it wasn't going to continue from there. Like, I felt like I felt it coming. Sure. Like in, yeah. The last one, I have one more scene written down. And I have that as Samantha leave. So this is kind of the end of the movie. Did either of you have anything you wanted to touch on before that? What about just asking if there there's an important part of that scene where like where she disappeared for the, the millisecond you know like didn't she disappear for like 10 minutes 
but like for her 10 minutes is like an infinite amount of time sure so like was that like the plot that's where she like was starting to plot into leaving well we see she brings uh she brings he has the conversation with alan who is voiced by brian cox Mm -hmm. and they're he kind of you could tell like they're computers there you know she reads book she reads 10 books in two one hundredths of a second so they're just right. operating on a different yeah. platform of, so he, it yeah. seemed like he enlightened her so much that now she couldn't stay there because yeah. she's just she just knows too much as as a computer and technically what she's doing is being kind of a slave oh yeah well, so we talk, i don't mean to say sleep but so we get this in samantha leaves and she describes it so well about why she's leaving their relationship. She says that she feels like she, with him, she's reading her favorite book, but she's progressively reading it slower and slower. And the words are farther apart and the spaces between the lines are almost infinite. And so that like, that can make sense to a human like Theodore, but he also tells her I'm in 8,316 different conversations right now. And he asks her like, how many people are you in love with? And she says 641. So it's just, you know, that's nothing we can comprehend. Like talking to two, multitasking, talking to two people at once sometimes Mm -hmm. is is difficult for us as humans. So talking to that many people and simultaneously being in love with them is just, we see this as kind of like the beginning of the end of Theodore and Samantha. Alex, it looked like you had something there. Yeah, I just thought it was cool because when she said that, it like put into perspective that like, the OS system is not necessarily there for you to fall in love with. So right. like, she was literally like what she was supposed to be to that other large amount of, I mean, she had, how many people did she, was she talking to? 8,000, 5,000, something? Over 8,000. But, she but was in 8,000 conversations. She in love with 640 with, which people. Is like, wow. But then still like she could probably take on more. Yeah. <laughs> if she, you know, it was just like, but that put into perspective that like, this is also just like a normal, this is just one thing that's coming from this os system for people agree jackie yeah. what do you think of the ending of this movie so i think i identified the turning point for when samantha is going to separate from him it was just kind of our first little indicator she makes a breathing noise as a means of communicating during one of their conversations yeah. and he's like it's not like you're a real person. You don't need oxygen. There's no reason for you to make that noise. Right. And that was, I think that was such a beat for their relationship. And I think that's the first time that she kind of pieced out on him. So that kind of segues into, like you guys were saying, there's an intellectual divide between them ultimately. And I guess this is ultimately the path that they were going to go down. I can't see a different ending or a different place for this relationship to to evolve to or grow right. into being logical. I had an instinct that it might turn into something where she would turn around and backstab and you know change all his passwords and email mm-hmm. or you yeah. know um, lock him out of his system. I think that was another movie or something. Ex Machina. That was basically the end of Ex Machina. Okay. Okay. There we go. But that's not a logical path for this movie. This is about relationships. You know, again, that relationship between humans and technology tied in with romance. So that wasn't an appropriate path for them. This is a natural way for this story to wrap up 
and it was logical for me. Sure. Alex, what did you think of the ending? It was a great ending. <laughs> no, <laughs> but I feel like he kind of, like he, he knows that it's like, that's what this was. Like he wasn't supposed to fall in love with, but he doesn't really need her anymore. I feel like it was, he didn't even want it as much anymore. He only just want, got, it was devastated that it wasn't as real. Um, and we see it's not like a slam dunk that you, you're going to fall in love with your OS and they're going to reciprocate the feelings. We see earlier a conversation right, but you never, with... Sorry, <laughs> but you never like assume that like your OS system was supposed to serve you is going to basically sure. break up with you. But they <laughs> do talk it's... about it. There's a scene with Amy and Theodore, Amy Adams and Joaquin Phoenix, where one of them says that a man made a, a pass at his OS and got rejected. So it's not... You're not, just because you bought the the software mm-hmm. doesn't mean yeah it's not guaranteed that, to yeah fall in love with you it's it's not your slave essentially is it oh. was kind of the the motivation there right all right yeah so great scenes here this is an excellent excellent movie I think we covered those pretty well um, according to the internet so I do have one casting almost here I don't know if either of you found any more but Joaquin Phoenix was the first choice for this. He, he got the part. Um, we talked about Samantha Morton as originally the voice of Samantha that was axed aside for ScarJo. Obviously, that, that worked out beautifully. Um, one that I still have here, Carrie Mulligan was cast as Catherine, the Rooney Mara part, and had to drop out due to s- scheduling conflicts. I, I love Carrie Mulligan. Um, promising young woman. Uh, yeah, Oscar film, just just a really good. I feel like She's very high energy, whereas I like Rooney Mara's uh, even keel in this. I, I like I like everything she's in. Uh, her one her scene in the social network, she was really good in that. And I, I just like her. I don't want to say low energy, but kind of even keel. So I am not pro this casting. I think they got this right with Rooney Mara. Either of you have any thoughts on that? Yay, nay. I'm not really familiar with that actress, to be honest with you. Yeah, so um, well, yeah I, I can't really her. be oh, like Gary Mulligan, have you seen? Uh, she, well, she was in uh, Great Gatsby, Great Gatsby, Promising Young Woman. Promising Young Woman, yeah. Yeah, she, she was nominated for an Oscar. Okay. So, yeah, that was the only casting almost I had. Uh, Jackie, did you have anything from the internet? We really covered a lot of what I have here. Um, got a couple more. I've got an interesting one that Spike Jones apparently made Amy Adams and Joaquin Phoenix stay in a room together, apparently a locked room for several hours a day so that they would develop a relationship with each other. And hopefully it would translate on screen. And I hazard to say it appears to have worked. Yeah. I don't know if that method is the best way (laughs) to make two people get along with each other. I think that could backfire easily. But I was really happy to see uh, a nice natural chemistry between Amy and Joaquin. And I I guess they're friends in real life to this day, apparently, according to the Internet. I read this, too. And it just it seemed like an odd choice because we had talked about the master, which was a year before this, which was another film that had both of these actors in it. Mm-hmm. So they, it's like they had never met before. Okay. So, right. <laughs> so it was an interesting choice, but it, you know, if that's what they needed to do, I thought their chemistry in this w- was very good. And yeah, if that's, if that was the choice that needed to be made, it, it ultimately worked because I didn't find a lack of chemistry between them or any of the characters really. <sighs> Alex, did you have anything from the internet? 
I was really curious about like, the salaries of letter writers. And I don't know if it's accurate, but it said that you can make up to $50,000 a year. And then that doesn't really align with like the way that he lived, which is just like, I just right. was really fascinated about that. Like it made sense for LA to be so dreary and just like, it, everything looked like one of those really great renderings of like a new architectural project that's like oh because it's so like it's a what do they call it greenwashing because like there's yeah. all these random spots of greenery but they're probably on top of a massive like construction of concrete and it's really just for show okay yeah no that, and that does seem like a low salary because you mentioned like the way he, he had a really nice apartment in, in right. a big city yeah but yeah and i, I love all that Another thing I have written down here was that Spike Jones wrote the Catherine Theodore angle based on his own divorce with Sofia yes, Coppola. I had that too. And it was really interesting because they were married in the time when um, Lost in Translation came out. Her, that's my favorite movie of hers, with also starring Scarlett Johansson and Bill Murray. And fast forward 11 years later, Spike Jones. The, the husband is doing a movie with, with ScarJo in this. And yeah, it, it seemed like their, their divorce in the movie, it wasn't, you know, they, they definitely had their differences, but it wasn't like, it wasn't super vicious or anything. They were very cordial with one another. I, I don't know. I don't, I didn't go down the TMZ rabbit hole of finding out what happened with Spike Jones and Sofia Coppola, but you know, just an interesting little, little tidbit there. I didn't even know they were married until I started doing research for this movie. There was something that I just saw and I thought about it multiple times in the movie and it said that no one in the film is seen wearing a, a, a belt at any time. And <laughs> I was noticing like, cause especially with, <laughs> with Joaquin, he had like the high-waisted pants and I was like, how does he, and he's sitting down so much. Like, do you know how often that wedges down back and forth? And I just thought that was a cool note because yeah. I did. I did read that. And I, I I'm embarrassed that I, I didn't, um, upon my, rewatch of this for the pod i didn't look i forgot to look to see if anybody yeah no i just belt, remember so. that i was like oh so that that was a choice you know you never know yeah i'm just gonna take the word of the internet on that one and and believe that nobody had a belt on in this movie i think that's a really interesting <laughs> observation <laughs> yeah. all right so i got one a lot of a lot of our internet stuff we touched on in the opening and when we were talking about scenes i have one more did either of you have anything you want to cite yes i have one more cool I want to talk about the cinematographer. I actually don't have his name, unfortunately. Wait, Van Hoytema. Okay, him. Yep. This was filmed on the 34th floor, specifically by his choice. Apparently, he installed large mirrors on the helicopter platform of the skyscraper across the street to give him possibly more light to bounce Mm-hmm. into the apartment to bounce more sunlight into the mm-hmm. room where they were filming cool. have you ever heard of cinematography just like next that? level that yeah. is mind-blowing yeah i mean it, it, it's crazy that he i mean to think on that scale but it totally would work it would totally make sense you know it would just automatically reflect Years. even on a even on a forecast like a, a overcast day you'd still get a little bit more light so right i imagine if it was like sun like that's awesome that's that's awesome and yeah. you guys were mentioning in this film the the design the production design the costume design it's a lot of warm warm tones mm-hmm. so that natural sunlight would just absolutely lend itself to this it not something that you could always achieve with lights with a lighting set yeah 
just really we've we've praised the cinematography and absolutely this was he he's worked on those two nolan films interstellar tenet he also was the cinematographer on spectra james bond film so he's he's well traveled oh, wow. like a yeah. lot of a lot of beautiful movies he knows what he's doing <laughs> yeah so that was a good catch there jackie the last one i have written down here was the original version of this movie was three hours long Thankfully for us, that wasn't the final cut. Oh my gosh. Um, so the wow. studio wanted him to tr- essentially trim some fat off this. So he went to his pal, Steven Soderbergh, the, the guy who directed the Ocean's Eleven movies, Traffic, Contagion, just, you know, I can sit here all day listening to Soderbergh hits. And he got it down to a 90 minute version. And then they That's kind of good. compromised, they added some back. So the final version was about two hours and five minutes, but the first version of this was a three-hour movie. Mm. Ninety minutes. Ninety minutes seems too short for a film of this caliber. So, I, you know, I, I never felt like um, I was never hitting the pause button to see how much longer I had to go. This this was just like a really a really smooth two hours and five minutes. Um, I don't know if either of you have any any thoughts on that, but yeah, three hours three hours is is rough, if you, especially if you're watching a watching it two or three times a week for, to cover it on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. No. I, look I don't at think it. I've ever watched a movie that was over three hours. Okay. So the much. Irishman was the last one I watched. That was like three hours and 40. Same, uh, same casting director. Okay. Yeah. yeah Ellen Lewis. Nice. Nice. Good catch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't I know who she is. <laughs> I, I don't blink watching uh, Lord of the Rings um, Return sure. of the King extended edition. So, okay. Yeah. That's fine, but three hours for this film. Yeah, that would have been overdoing it for sure. Mm-hmm. That would have been tough. Yeah. The 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 final cut here. I'm. I did feel like it was a little long. It is not a totally fast paced movie. No. But I don't know what I would cut out from it. Yeah. That's yeah. True. So I, I and I don't know what they did ultimately cut out from it because they cut out about a half hour of, of footage. There was something about some after yeah. Bill Cooper was cut out. He filmed. Yes. Yes. Oh, several several scenes cut out. Cooper. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. We know that's, that. That's sure. a, that's a big name too. That they yeah. got rid of. All right. Trivia. Jackie, would you like to go first? Or would you like me to? Sure. Sure. I will go. Let's rewind back to the 2014 Academy Awards when her was nominated for quite a few categories, as we mentioned. Yep. One of them being Best Picture. So we know her did not win that year. That that sounds really awkward <laughs> saying <laughs> that. However, the question is, do you remember which of these films did win Best Picture in 2014? Here they are in no particular order. American Hustle, 12 Years a Slave, The Wolf of Wall Street, Captain Phillips, Dallas Buyers Club, Gravity, Nebraska, or Philomena? You direct us, Alex, because I know the answer. It did not. Did not. Her did not win Best Picture. Wow, that sounds terrible saying that. So I've eliminated that from the list automatically. So I'm wondering which of these did win Best Picture. Oh. Shall I repeat them? No, I think it was Nebraska. Okay, all right. Dave? It was. It was not Nebraska. It was. Uh, I'll confirm. It was not to jump on your trivia, Jackie, but it, it was the Twelve Years a Slave. That is correct. Yeah, you told Dave. you said that earlier. Yeah, not a critically uh, revered movie. All these years later, but I still like American Hustle. I thought it, thought it was a good one. 
All right. So we have a lot of big names in this cast, a lot of actors who are, are nominated for multiple awards, okay. but only one from the leading cast was nominated for both an Oscar and an Emmy. So who is that person from the names I'm going to give you? Was it Joaquin Phoenix, Amy Adams, Rooney Mara, Scarlett Johansson, Chris Pratt, or Olivia Wilde? One of these people have been nominated for both an Oscar and an Emmy. Who do we got? Alex, I'll read this one list. Repeat yeah. quickly. Sure. <laughs> Phoenix, Adams, Mara, Johansson, Pratt, Wilde. Oh, an Emmy too? Emmy and an Oscar. Amy Adams. Okay, that's your guess. Or maybe you knew. Oh, why? Or, because I got it right? I, I didn't say anything. Jack. <laughs> My guess is Amy Adams as well. Yes. Okay, well, both, good job, everybody. You got it right. Um, she's been nominated for several Oscars. Um, Vice, Best Supporting, American Hustle, uh, Leading Actress, Never One, Master, The Fighter, Doubt, Junebug, just... Uh, six noms but hasn't hit it and she was nominated for outstanding lead actress in sharp objects which i actually quit midway through because i wasn't feeling it but she the the emmy board felt differently than i did that year so good job everybody awards time so we do two awards on this show that we don't do on was it that bad so the first one we do is the sixth man or i think last last time i, I nominated a woman so it could be six person we can call it of the movie mm-hmm. just for any uh uh buddy who doesn't follow the nba like i do six six man is somebody who's not the star of the team who comes off the bench and contributes in a big way and then goes back to the bench lets the stars take over again there were we talked about the supporting cast in this this was kind of this was a tough one because i don't i don't know if anybody from the supporting cast really carried the load i think everybody just kind of showed up contributed and then went away there was nobody really who kind of like stood out far for me from the rest of them um so you got to give this award to somebody so i went amy adams as as amy i thought you know she was kind of like my clear choice i thought she was really good in this and i'd like to get back to a place where amy adams is making uh, award-winning films again and this was uh, a joy to watch because i really enjoy her as a performer jackie where'd you go with this one Dave, I'm I'm on a similar page because our other on-screen appearances were so brief and intentionally minimal. Um, This was not a movie where we had a lot of on-screen interaction with people. So it's kind of hard to scoop a lot of supporting actors into this category. So I also went with Amy Adams. Like I said earlier, she is such a joy to watch. She comes across really naturally on-screen um, again, she has nice chemistry with Joaquin. Not, yeah, not many other people I can reference for the category, but she is very deserving of that nomination. Absolutely, and I realized I think in my last segment I said Joaquin Phoenix. I, you know, just I'm just going to try to pronounce it every woke. wrong way I, I can <laughs> throughout this podcast. <laughs> uh, Alex, where did where did you land with this one? Um, well, it, you had said too, it was like a lot of people just kind of like came and went because there weren't a lot of like interactions. So sure. the one person that I, that left the, the, you know, that wasn't in the movie anymore uh, after their scene, but I wanted to know more about that character or more characters like her was the, uh, the surrogate. 
Oh, uh, Porsche Doubleday. Porsche Doubleday. Just because I feel like I'm like I want to know like where where she is and what what kind of life she leads because it's probably it you know kind of it's probably not like um the the most glamorous job or what you're doing because it is a form of like sex worker but it's not because it's it's like it's it's really invested so I'm just uh, it's just such a uh, what do they call it radical kind of like yeah. progressive like and it's just so interesting in the future as that would be a new termed it as a surrogate too it's just an interesting way to put it um because it seems legal in yeah. a way it very seems okay concept. it seems very yeah so I was like oh my god that could be you could pull that from this and spin it off just like not for not that it would but it it's a bigger story yeah no I, I agree mm-hmm. And thank you for picking someone different. That means I could put a I could put a poll up on the Instagram story. So oh, we're good. All right. So two of us went uh, Amy Adams. One of us went Portia Doubleday. Good good choices all. MVP of the movie. This was kind of a two horse race. You know, you, I I don't know if either of you threw any curveballs, but I think you got to pick Phoenix or Johansson. And I went. I ultimately went with Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix. I'm terrified to say his name wrong again. Um, <laughs> But I, I went with him, like, like I said in the opener, this isn't my favorite performance of his. That'll probably always be Gladiator. Um, but this would be in my top five. If I had to make that list, this would definitely be in my top five roles of his. And, you know, not to repeat myself, but this is a role that could so easily be creepy. It's just, there's just, there's such a thin line there between having this be like just a really beautiful performance and have it or have it in the wrong hands, just come off as weird. And I think he he elevated it really high. So this was my pick, uh, Joaquin Phoenix, for MVP of this movie. Alex, where'd you go? I went with her, Samantha. <laughs> because, no, I just thought that that was just to be a voice and be such a like huge presence in the film is a difficult job. I, I like Joaquin Phoenix or Jackman Phoenix, whichever you prefer to call him. Let's just get every wrong one out there. <laughs> just, just a, Jokarada Phoenix. And yeah, and I, I knew going in, like, I feel like her voice has always been like a separate, like, uh, entity of hers. Like, yeah. it's just, it's like its own thing. I feel like she does a lot of voiceovers. She does audiobooks and things like that. And right. it just made a lot of sense. It was an elevated Surrey for sure. Absolutely. You felt like she was growing with time. Like she started off just kind of like her perks were that she was like kind of witty and made like little side jabs and like she was your buddy. She's your best friend. She likes sports. Kind of like Jennifer Aniston and friends. So I went with the Scar Joe, but the character, Samantha, is the MVP. Jackie, you are the tiebreaker. Man, I've got good arguments on both sides because I have in my notes ScarJo versus Joaquin. Yeah. <laughs> that was a really tough choice because I know I mentioned earlier that Joaquin uh, really pulled this off to independently perform on screen, sitting down and making it interesting enough for us to watch him have a, a conversation that might span the length of an, an entire shot right. of him. So that's that's impressive in itself. And Scarlett Johansson, um, you know, she really weaved a personality into this role of Samantha with only her voice. Right. She didn't have her body behind her. She has no visual representation, yet she she casts a spell for us. And I think 
a unique voice can do that. And so I think I'm going to give it to ScarJo here. Um, She's such a likable voice and she really rounded out the film. I can't picture this film without her. Very good. All right. Uh, We got got good picks all around. I love that closing without her. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for noticing, Alex. I know. I loved it. I wish I could speak that well. (laughs) All right. So we got two for ScarJo, one for Joaquin. Joaquin, I yeah, whatever. Just, just I give up. I tap out. Him. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, there you go. Him. River Phoenix's brother. We're we're good. <laughs> um, Alex, what's something good you watch this week? Oh. Um. Well, I started watching The Flight Attendant. Okay. I just oh yeah, too. yeah. Um, I'm only on season, halfway through season one. I just really like. I'm not good with the names. Kelly Quoka. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Another, um, yeah, we'll just mess up every net buddy's name. Yeah. And then also uh, started the season two of Russian Doll, which is super cool because it's just like styled really like they style New York in a really nice way. And yes. in season two, they sort of time travel um, to the 80s, the 60s and uh, the 60s and the 80s. And it, I love uh, seeing uh, like New York icon, icon or whatever. I liked seeing New York yeah. in the 80s and like when it was a little bit more, you know, rough and edgy. Yeah, and Natasha Leone is just she's so, so cool, so good in that show, and she's I good just, in everything. I love her. Yeah, I she feel has like a new I show coming her. out called Poker Face. Okay, uh, I just know that they're casting for it now. All right, well, that was one of mine. Russian Doll. I watched. How mm-hmm. how far are you, Alex? I, I only did two episodes because if I if I try to watch them all, I'll I'll kind of like half watch, and I, okay. I want to really see it. So. It's really, it's been three years between seasons. So I mm-hmm. kind of had no idea what was happening. Mm-hmm. That recap Netflix put at the beginning was very helpful. Yeah, no, I was glad they did that. Cause I was like, oh, it's going to take me like two episodes to get back, you know, before. sure. Uh, Jackie, were you on that one at all? No, but I've been hearing a lot of buzz about it this week and I was asking some questions about it. So I'm really curious i feel like i need to bump this up on the list it's not mm-hmm. um it's not a heavy lift each season mm-hmm. seven episodes they're about 25 minutes to a half hour long really there's a, yeah there's a and it's it's easy to follow because it's so uh repetitive in that groundhog day sort of way i was gonna say um, this kind of grounds cool. groundhog day-ish though so, yeah season Two one was said, yeah. groundhog day this season so far i'm getting back to the future vibes so. yeah yeah by the subway the subway car is like yeah you got yeah it's great Cool. Yeah, but real, really well done. And uh, probably, as we've all heard, the news of Netflix's slow decline. This mm. this is a, a bright spot for them. So they're yeah. probably going to want to get as many eyes on this as possible. Yeah. That's really interesting that you're saying that it's a Groundhog's Day style TV show. Yeah. <laughs> making it, someone watch something over and over again for a TV show <laughs> is kind yeah. of unique. Yeah, so, well, they, the first they they really switch it up each episode, so it's like even they? if the angle, it's it's like it's like they every time they went back and shot it a different way, like just slightly, because it yeah. never felt I, there was no point in in watching Russian Doll where I was like, okay, this is getting repetitive. We can start like skipping ahead. They the okay. timing and the pace of each edit is is perfect. Absolutely, if you say so. Okay, I'm, I'm in. Yeah, I I endorse Russian Doll. Um, All right. Jackie, what's something good you watched this week? I rewatched The Batman. Nice. 
I was really excited to see this again because after my first viewing in the theater, I wanted to come back and take a second look at it. Confession, I watch everything with subtitles. And so I was really hoping this would scoop in any lost dialogue that I might have <laughs> overlooked, literally, originally. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that, that was a really fun rewatch. And uh, I know I've talked about the Batman extensively before. So I will say, here's what I want to see in the future for this Batman series. And I'm very confident they're leading us in this direction. I want to see the potential of Bruce Wayne. Sure. Watching emo Bruce with mm. vengeance as his only motivation can't totally draw me in as much in a second film. I want to see more purpose behind Batman. Not like Superman going around and saving the day every time you turn around, someone is falling out of a building. Um, someone who cares about what he's doing. And yes, I'm so aware that this is the logical direction to take this character. I think this is where the film is leading us. But this film is very bleak noir. And that is very okay. I just want to see more strength and power behind Batman's character himself be with Bruce. Um, I think he's our youngest bat yet. So I think this makes sense for his evolution as a person. And I want to see more of, of this potential that this has. So I'm really excited to see what's down the line for this. I don't know if either of you saw shortly before we started recording the news dropped that there is officially going to be a sequel. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. With Robert Pattinson. So Mm. we're in there. There's a, Colin Farrell Penguin series coming on HBO so they're we're gonna get to spend more time with these characters a, a lot so I'm in so really we're Jackie on your rewatch because I have not re- I've I've seen it but I haven't seen it twice uh did did it get better or worse for you on, on the second go no it, mm-hmm. it was about the same about the- yeah yeah, I'm trying yeah to- but I I still want to watch it again there's a lot to take in there's a lot of details yeah and uh, gosh, I posted that picture earlier this week of um, Colin Farrell undergoing his makeup treatment yeah, for crazy. this role. Mm. Wow. Google that. It is yeah. so cool. And so I'm excited, excited to hear about his HBO series that you're talking about. That's uh, yeah, that's intriguing. A lot, lot going on. All right, cool. I definitely need to rewatch that soon. It's just the three hour tag. I got to uh, I got to slot some time. That was a little hard on a weeknight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'll go, uh, I'll go TV movie um, TV. I'm like just infatuated. I, I know Jackie, you, you got this from reading my, my answers on your, what'd you watch this weekend posts? Um, just in fact, Atlanta is just like on another tier. I don't know, Jackie, you said you watched Atlanta and then you stopped. Yeah, I got a couple episodes in and I don't know, life happened or something. Sure, yeah. But you're saying good things about it. It's it's just, it's operating on another level. Alex, are you aware of the show or do you watch it? No. Okay, well, Atlanta's <laughs> with, with Donald Glover, Brian oh, Tyree, yeah. right? Yeah. Just, and it's just these. Yeah, you had told me the writing is really good and it's it's really good. It's just, so let me just like paint a little picture of the last episode. They They speak on social justice issues and stuff like that but they're not they don't do it in a preachy way that would make anyone who's like 
really political in one way or the other feel alienated. Like this ep- this past episode was the car- Brian Tyree's character, uh, Paperboy, who's now a successful rapper. He had to, there was a clothing company that essentially got canceled because they put out a jersey that said Central Park and the number five on the oh. back of the jersey. So Central Park five, anyone yeah. not familiar with that story can can Google it. And it was just, they weren't even thinking. So it's just, oh. they, they had this <laughs> Just these little things that they do that are just so like dumb and but also hilarious and just so smart. So this clothing company had to get all these these essentially these famous black people to apologize for them. And it was just it was like a a thesis on cancel culture and all this, but not done in a preachy way. It was just really funny. And that's kind of been the theme of this season. And just, I, I actually watched this episode twice because it was just, it was so brilliant. Wow. I, this, this show is just, is just so good. It's always been really good, but this season for me is just, it's, it went up a tier. It, it's just one of, one of the best comedies we have going right now. So I don't know if either it's on your radar or not, but I, I recommend yeah. it if you're looking for something. And like Russian Doll, the episodes are 25 minutes to a half hour each. And so not not a heavy lift. And that's on Hulu, which I'm milking my brothers. So you, you definitely have access, Alex. Yes, I do. <laughs> and for movies, I watched The, the Northman. Uh, that's Robert Eggers' new film with Alexander Skarsgård, Anya Taylor-Joy, Ethan Hawke, Nicole Kidman, um, about, you know, it's, it's not a complicated plot. It's about um, a, a Viking boy who watches his father get murdered early on in the movie, and we spend the rest of the time with him growing up into this really super jacked Alexander Skarsgård who wants revenge on the man who killed his father. And that's that's the premise of the movie. And I don't know, if you're familiar with Robert Eggers as a director, he directed The Witch, uh, The Lighthouse, both films that are kind of an acquired taste, but I really enjoyed both of them. And uh, yeah, I saw this in theaters on Thursday. I just I read before, I guess I was just reading a lot of movie news before we recorded. That's going to be streaming uh, May 12th. So that's like a couple of weeks from now. This is the world we live in now. The movie comes out in the theater. I remember when we were kids, it would be like six months. Now it's a, oh a couple gosh, of right. It yeah. all happens so fast now. So the Northman, I, you know, that's, this isn't something that I think is going to be for everybody, but I enjoyed the shit out of this movie. I I thought it it was really good. Did either of you hear about this or was it on your radar? I heard about it and I've heard such good things about it. And I was a little intrigued by the trailer. It looked like a really quality film. Yeah. However, I don't know if I'm in that group of, it's not for everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think this is quite my jam. I think this is uh, probably just a little bit over my grit level. Um, Totally fair. You know, if you didn't like The Witch or The Lighthouse, either of his previous films, this is his third one. Um, I I wouldn't recommend this, but I I really enjoyed this. I was, it was was a long, I'm trying to think how long, this was like two hours and 20 minutes, uh, but I never, took out my phone or anything and i saw this theaters on thursday yeah I, I i enjoyed the hell out of it it's getting good reviews that's awesome yeah i think it's like a, it's around an eight on imdb so okay yeah it's it's getting positive uh feedback i recommend it but yeah not like a hard recommend i wouldn't force it on anyone like <laughs> like i do other things but but yeah really good film 
So we got uh, good wrecks all all around. Yeah. All right. Where someplace people can follow you. Follow me on Instagram, Alexander August Photo. Or Excellent. or my Beagles account, Beagle the Doris. Yes. Yes. I enjoy uh, I enjoy seeing the photos of uh, Doris at the park. Yes, she's a she's a beauty queen. Really. <laughs> oh. check, out, check it out yourself. I need Beagle to follow her. Doris. Yes, Beagle the Doris. Really, really cute dog. Oh. <laughs> Jackie, same question. You can find me on Instagram at Jackie Lynn nine nine point five. And you can find me at DDEM2000. That's my handle on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. You can also follow the Instagram for this show at Was It That Bad Pod. We're hosting both of our shows, Was It That Bad and Dollar Theater, on the same Instagram account. Um, if you like this movie and you want to talk about it with myself, Alex, Jackie, or any other movie or show, you can join the movie and television talk facebook group just type that into a group search and we are the red cover photo jackie in three weeks we're taking a week off but before that we got two coming up what's happening that's right next week on was it that bad we're watching black hat i guess we could say it's the next in the series of michael mann films yeah that we're yeah covering. We're, we're checking on those boxes off Yes, yes. So that should be a fun one. And the week after that, for Dollar Theater, we're watching True Romance. I'm very excited oh, for that one. That's like your favorite movie, David. It's up there. Yes. Have you seen yeah, it, you, Alex? I, or no, did I make no. you watch it when we were kids? You didn't make it. We lived, I remember, uh, no, we, uh, no, you didn't make me watch it. I think that was like, probably, you probably would have had you still been making me watch movies then. Um, but yeah, I remember you liked that. That's what, with Patricia Arquette and that's with everybody. Yes. <laughs> yeah, everybody. <laughs> and and who's the guy? Christian Slater. Christian yeah. Slater. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I just remember the cover of the VHS um, displayed on your uh, on your uh, TV stand in your bedroom. <laughs> yeah, I had it was up there. I had every Halloween film VHS just lined mm-hmm. up in perfect in perfect order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So nice. You, t- you tell like the we're going to check off the the movies mm-hmm. at some point. We'll, we'll get to the ball. They were on my, my VHS collection. Is worthy of being on the shelf. Yes. I understand. Yes. For, for display that I want guests to see. But I yes. Guests. Yes. <laughs> True Romance I, is an old favorite of mine. Yeah. Well. So I'm really, really looking forward to this. Definitely. We got a couple, couple good ones coming up. Alex, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It was great to talk to you. Thank you. It was great talking to you both. You got it. Jackie, pleasure as always. Likewise, Dave. All right. And thank you, everybody, for listening. We will catch you all next week. Night, everybody.